0: You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. The Washington Post has published a fascinating investigation into how homicides detectives' caseloads correlate with the number of arrests made and how many cases they solve. And the story focuses on detectives' right here in the city of Detroit. Right now with us to talk about it is Washington Post investigative reporter Kimbrielle Kelly, one of the bylines on the story. Kimbrielle Kelly, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Thanks for having me. Yeah.
0: So uh, let's talk about how you went about looking into this relationship between the caseloads that homicide detectives are carrying and the number of arrests that they make and the number of cases that they solve.
1: Well, by and large, we took a look at 50 major cities across the country, cities that um, had a high level of violence, and what we ended up seeing was that for for departments that had higher caseloads, uh, you saw lower arrest rates for killings. And so essentially, when I say higher caseloads, the magic number that experts say is around five cases. Um, when you're talking about new killings a year, each detective should essentially be getting no more than five of those cases that they're leading. And what we saw in Detroit was that they had a far uh, higher number. So each of those detectives, on average, based the number of killings in Detroit had about eight, which seems like a small number, but when you're talking about solving crimes, is actually a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and,
0: and compare Detroit to other cities that you looked at in your reporting.
1: Obviously, Detroit's not the only uh, city struggling with this issue. Um, New Orleans is another city who had um, a high number of caseloads for its detectives, but also a a low number of arrests uh, for the killings. And so that's like the same company that Detroit's in. But then you have some departments that had a high number of caseloads, but actually had high arrest rates for their killings. Cities like, you know, Albuquerque, uh, the Birmingham Police Department in Memphis. And so you also saw that while departments did have higher caseloads, some were able to make a high number of arrests in those killings, but cities like uh, Detroit and New Orleans were not. Yeah. Um, And what's
0: what's the cause of these overly large caseloads in relative terms in places like New Orleans and Detroit? Why? Why does this look the way it does?
1: I mean, obviously you have your, your big reason there's a lot of killings. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when you have, what we've heard from experts is when you have a lot of killings and low arrest rates, what ends up happening is, you know, the five cases you had this year, um, if you didn't solve them, that means next year you have five new cases in addition to the unsolved cases from the previous year. So that was one of the issues that we heard um, from a variety of departments that, well, if you have a large backlog of cases that you're working... Those don't go away. You're still Mm -hmm. talking to victims. You're still talking like their families. You're talking to witnesses. You're still trying to get leads in those cases while you're getting new cases fresh. So that was one of the issues. And the second issue That we heard from um, other departments was about money. Um, You know, a lot of these departments uh, during the housing crisis had to cut a lot of their staff, including detectives. And many of those departments said that they're just now starting to recover from the recessions, you know, a decade ago. And so now what you have, and we talked to Councilman Scott Benson, who discussed that as well in Detroit, where he said, you know, the city's police department is understaffed because of retirements, but also there's competition for dollars um, now that the city is starting. recover from the bankruptcy filings. There's competition between the police department and and all the other city service departments because everybody has to continue to function and operate. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. In fact, uh, in the story, you talk with uh, Councilman Benson, and he says, uh, I'd like to give them more resources so that we can get our closure rate above the national average, but we still have to clean the streets. We've got to cut the grass. We've got to be able to staff our offices. So unfortunately, That's not the only interest in uh, Detroit. Uh, You also uh, quote David Carter, who's a criminologist at Michigan State University and a former officer. He says that each detective should have no more than three cases uh, a year. And he says a smaller workload means a detective detective is better able to respond more quickly to homicide scenes as they are uh, discovered. Uh, Talk about the things that you saw here in the city of Detroit, and, and uh, uh, listeners can go online to WashingtonPost.com <clears throat> to see this, uh, this story and this sort of expansive reporting that backs it up in many, many, many cities across uh, the country uh, who, are, who are dealing with this issue. But talk to me about what you saw here in the city of Detroit. There is kind of a culture of uh, murder and murder investigation that I feel like takes over Certain parts of the city uh, where this happens more frequently than other places.
1: Well, some of the things that have happened. Obviously, there's a high number of killings uh, there in Detroit, even though that number is on the on the decline. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that the arrest arrest rate is. And so, it's still very difficult to um, have the killing result in an arrest. So that being said, crime is you know homicides are you know are down um, nationwide, but even as they're down some police departments like Detroit are having are struggling to to make those arrests and so what Detroit actually ended up doing um when the most recent police chief came in uh, a few years ago and he had been uh, like the seventh police chief in in a decade mm-hmm. in the city and he came in um right before I believe it was like two weeks before uh he became police chief uh the uh, two weeks afterwards, the city actually filed for bankruptcy. Right. And so right. he's facing a city where there are a lot of killings, but then also uh, a city that's bankrupt as well. And so what he ended up doing was promoting one of uh, his internal staff to deputy chief and um, basically said, I give you a clean slate. You know, what can you come up with to see if, how we can fix this problem? And so Deputy Chief uh, Lavallee basically instituted a lot of different reforms but there were two big things that he had decided one was the city was at 143 square miles too large for um the detectives to kind of cover the entire city Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and so he broke the detective unit into five separate districts and so you're responsible for the you know the eastern district or northeast where if a killing happened in that area you know those detectives were the ones who were going to be um working it and that helped create more familiarity. You can um, figure out who the players are. You can get uh, better, kind of improve better communication. Uh, People are more likely to work with you. And so that was the hope there. But then the second thing that he did was eliminate the overnight shift because the homicide unit used to be staffed 24 hours because there were a lot of killings, right? But what he realized is when you have people working overnight, when there's really not a lot of activity, what you're doing is essentially taking those homicide detectives away from actually working the cases that they've already received. And so he eliminated the overnight shift, and that gave detectives an extra additional week, a month, uh, in terms of being able to daytime hours uh, investigate their cases. Now, that didn't mean that nobody was available overnight. That just meant that if a killing did occur, that uh, certain officers, uh, detectives, were actually recalled back to the scene.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Kimbrielle Kelly. She is an investigative reporter at the Washington Post, part of a team who recently published an article that is titled Buried under bodies, even with murder rates falling, big city detectives face daunting caseloads. That story focuses on detectives and caseloads here in the city of Detroit, as well as a number of different places. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us what you think about the problems that we have with murder in the city of Detroit, the problems that we have solving murders here in the city of Detroit, bringing someone to justice uh, when they kill somebody else. Uh, as always, the number on the phone is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will try to work you into the conversation. Uh, let's go to Tom in Northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, good morning. Good Good morning. You know what? in terms of the murder rate per capita with the the population that we have and the number of killings in the city, um, (laughs) hopefully not, but I believe we're always going to be in the top five because, I mean, I don't really deal with the per capita, 100,000. I deal with whole numbers. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, places like Chicago, Chicago is off the chain, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, the killings. But I'll say this in terms of the killings here and the way that DPD. Uh, inspectors are you know, trying to there's too many people that know something that won't say anything hmm. and if more people would come forward as they used to say back in the day drop a dime on crime I believe that this you know this, this solve the case, cases mm-hmm. it would drop tremendously it's a really interesting point Tom thanks very much for the call uh kimbrielle i mean his his despair at the idea of doing something about this i think is is somewhat challenged by what some other cities have been able to do and you're reporting talk about the places where they are solving murders and where they're solving more at least than than we do here in detroit
1: um, well, there's there's a lot of places. And like the caller mentioned, um, you know, Chicago, you know, came in dead last in terms of an ar- arrest rate. Mm-hmm. And and so what he mentioned about the no snitch culture, that is evident. But you see that in other police departments, too. And, you know, one of the things that we found is that, you know, of the thirty nine to forty eight departments, when they had higher um, excuse me, lower case lows. they were more likely to be able to get um, an arrest in those cases. And so essentially, while that is an issue and the no snitch culture does does exist, mm-hmm. um, uh, there are departments that are able to actually increase those arrest rates. And Detroit is not alone. You know, that arrest rate, back in 2013, when the police chief took over, the arrest rate was about 37% mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of the killings that occurred. You know, after the changes um, and in two, 2017, we found that the arrest rate had increased to about 48 percent. So it's still less than half of the killings. But, you know, I do want to acknowledge that there has been a shift in spite of those that no snitch culture, as you mentioned, and other and, and other obstacles. Yeah,
0: It's moving in the right direction, but maybe not quite as fast uh, as we would like it to. Uh, Kimbrielle, I want to talk about uh, the larger series of investigative reports called Murder with impunity, which this uh, this story is part of, um, talk about what that's about.
1: Well, the larger series takes a look at exactly what's happening in Detroit and and other places across America, where essentially you have killings that aren't resulting in an arrest. And by and large, we took a look at the 50 largest cities and found that of the killings, um, the 52,000 killings uh, in those cities, only 49% actually resulted in an arrest. So you're talking about less than half You know, areas that had a high arrest were cities like Atlanta and Richmond and Omaha, Mm -hmm. Um, but cities like who? Who had low arrest rates were like your Chicago's, Baltimore, Indianapolis, and, and New Orleans, you know, in addition to like what we talked about in Detroit. And so essentially, if you think about that, the sheer volume of those killings, 52,000, that half of those killings, the person who committed that crime has still not been brought to justice. And so that's what the series has taken a look at. You know, and these are places that people might not even imagine, like we're talking to people in Omaha and, and, and in Little Rock and in Newark and Tucson, you know, when people think of you know homicides, they they often think of those big mis- midwestern cities like you mentioned, Chicago, Detroit. Um, but what we wanted to show was that this is happening all over the country; that you're not just isolated in a couple of different you know places. Um, but then also we found some some major racial disparities when we took a look at the uh, the race of the victims. And so in uh, we had looked at actually 52 cities. Where we had the information about race of the victims, and we found that of those about twenty six thousand of the uh cases were unsolved, and basically three quarter of them uh were people who were african american yeah. and
0: and, and the the ones that involve uh they involve african american victims and and it's often When you see these kind of disparities, it's the race of the victim that seems to drive uh, some of the policymaking and decision making that uh, that that leads to these things. Um, What what are the what are the bigger kinds of solutions that you're seeing some cities try to embrace as you do this reporting around the country?
1: Well, there's a variety of different things that uh, departments are trying. Um, You know, one of the biggest things is obviously repairing some of the relationships that have been broken and fractured in the communities, uh, try to, you know, improve more community policing. Um, But also, one of the things that we're hearing from a variety of different different departments is adding more detectives Mm -hmm. um, or adding more seasoned detectives. You know, right now, a lot of departments have said that a lot of their seasoned detectives have retired, um, and so they're having a difficult time replacing them. It's not just like you can appoint a person as a detective and all. All of a sudden, uh, they know how to solve a killing. Sure. And But one of the other things that I've heard, and I believe this was in, in Houston, um, was that a killing is essentially, in some cases, uh, uh, is an assault, uh, initially started as an assault. So the person who got shot today, a non-fatal killing, maybe be your, your murder next week or a month from now. And Mm -hmm. so what we're hearing from some of the departments is we're taking a harder look at those non-fatal shootings or those aggravated assaults because if we can actually address those and investigate those in a way that we investigate homicides, perhaps we can prevent a homicide in the future. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's quickly go to Brenda. Brenda, I've got a couple minutes left, but I wanted to get you into the conversation. Go ahead. I want good morning and good morning to your guests. I I want to know what are the root causes of these uh, violent crimes. I think if we dealt with the root causes, we can probably resolve some of these issues in Hmm. the major cities. Hmm. And we don't ever really talk about that because I don't think it's well. I can't say it's not. widespread but there's something going on that we're missing yeah. and the public needs to know so we'll know how to defend ourselves brenda thanks very much for the call uh in the comments how focused uh, kim real i've got about a minute left are uh, police departments on those root causes as opposed to uh, responding to to what they see happening when someone is killed
1: I mean that's not something that we took a look at in this particular story. Although mm-hmm. the police departments have told us that you know there are clear social ills um, in the neighborhood. There's you know unemployment issues. There's drug addictions. There there's other you know issues that they're uh, that they're aware of. You know when I went to. Um, Uh, Indianapolis and I was doing some of the reporting and they talked about that you know the the high unemployment and and the drug problems that were impacting you know the Midwest and all across the country and so uh, the police departments are aware of those things and that's absolutely factoring in to uh, how they're trying to structure their days and and figure out how they can best attack uh, this issue but I think there are a series of issues um, in addition but like I said you know, while social ills may be one of them, um, the police acknowledge that fractured relationships in the community is a big part of it also. Mm -hmm.
0: Kimbrielle Kelly, investigative reporter for The Washington Post. Thanks very much for being here with us on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, the community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.